Amy and I are going to tag team this. It is going to be, we hope, in faith. Slightly briefer than normal because we want to get to the business of praying with one another. But why don't we just begin with a word of prayer. Father God, you are the source of all life. We pray now that you would send upon us the spirit of Jesus, that we might hear from you and be drawn into your embrace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did anybody see the royal wedding yesterday? More than, more than that number saw it, by the way, because one in six, I think it was one in six people in the UK saw it, 13 million, more than even saw the FA Cup final. Can you believe it? And what a wonderful occasion. I, for my part, was walking back, but thanks to the wonders of iPlayer, was able to experience with my family the event in full. And it was great, wasn't it? The celebrities arriving in their finery, James Corden, couldn't help but see James Corden there, uh, David Beckham and Victoria Beckham. As always, he looked fantastic, didn't he? Uh, and uh, many others besides, Hollywood stars, most of whom I've no idea who they are, having uh, missed uh, pop relevance a number of years ago, but there we go. It was a fantastic occasion. Windsor Castle, Windsor is a castle, isn't it? Windsor Castle looked amazing. The chapel looked fantastic. There was uh, an American priest who preached an incredible sermon. All of it was there. The, the, the cars, there was this, you know, the procession of beautiful cars. It looked like they've never been driven before, but were all old cars. I mean, it was just perfect. But all of it was basically an irrelevance. Until one thing, or rather one person showed up. Without this one person, the whole thing would have been a damp squib. In fact, it would have been a complete and utter embarrassment. All of that preparation, all of that hard work, all of those many millions of taxpayers' pounds would have been wasted were it not for the arrival of Meghan, formerly, the actress formerly known as Meghan Markle, right? You don't have a wedding until you have a bride. And a dress. And a dress. <laughs> Which, by the way, on the BBC, 30% of the coverage was the dress. And I was like, wow, you're doing well to talk about this for this long. Anyway, she showed up. Glory to God, she showed up. And, you know, she was great and it was phenomenal. It's kind of, it's an improper, it's an imperfect analogy, but it's sort of the same thing that we see happening in Acts 2. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit in the church. Up until Acts 2, we've got everything locked down. Jesus has been with the disciples. They've been prepared rigorously over three years. The preparations have been painstaking. He's gathered these people to him. He's shown them how he does ministry. 
They've seen him at his best and at his better. They've seen him do the thing that he does best. He's given them all his best messages. He shared his life. He's even shared his death with them. They are well prepared. But they're still, after Jesus goes to be with the Father, there's something missing. We don't have a wedding yet. We don't have a wedding until the Holy Spirit shows up. And it's when the Holy Spirit shows up that things really kick off for the disciples. And I know that when I say that in a church where we worship Jesus, it sounds almost blasphemous. And yet Jesus says to the disciples, it's to your advantage that I leave you. There's someone coming who's going to be able to do this job, the the job that you need next, better than I could. Someone who's not limited by space and time, who can be with you and even in you, and I'm drawing from John's gospel here, even in you and helping you to do the things that I've asked you to do. For the church... We only have acts of the apostles or the acts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit walks down the aisle. Or rather, to change and use a more accurate imagery, when the Holy Spirit falls upon the church in Acts 2, as John read to us. Up to this point in the story of the Bible, the Holy Spirit's been given before. But he's only ever been given to the special few. He's been active before, active in creation, as we sang in our first song. He's been active in the lives of Israel. He's been active in the kings and the prophets and the priests. But he's never, ever been accessible to the ordinary person. And at Pentecost, the gift, who is the Holy Spirit, God's own spirit, the spirit of Jesus, is given to every single person. When he shows up, the party really gets started. And there's a couple themes here. We see in the text, verse 1 of chapter 2 of Acts, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Many people have said it. I'll say it every time I preach on this. There is a theme here about unity, that we do have the disciples here Uh, gathered in one place, having a prayer meeting in some kind of room. There's probably around 120 of them. Now, why are they in unity? Probably just because they're all equally scared. They haven't just all of a sudden learned to get along. They're just terrified, but they're gathered together in that one place. And and sometimes, by the way, desperation is the birthplace of, of God's power being released. And we see this with the disciples. They're gathered here, cowering away, and the Holy Spirit comes. We see this theme of unity. The second theme we see is power. Suddenly, verse 2, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. This isn't your sort of summer's breeze, folks. This is the kind of wind that interrupts people. A violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. How does that even happen? It came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. We have wind, we have fire, and it says all of them, verse 4, were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Who is filled with the Holy Spirit? Is it the special few? Is it the princes, the princesses, 
The Suits actresses. Is it the special ones? No, it's the ordinary folks like you and me, the disciples. Every one of them filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And my part, for my part this evening, I want to say one thing. Two things, actually. Firstly, the Holy Spirit makes all the difference. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference to following Jesus. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference to the church. Have you ever tried to do church without the Holy Spirit? It's awful. It's really, it's awful. It's dreadful. Because you're either apathetic or you're trying too hard. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference. This group of people, men and women, cowering in a room upstairs, united by their fear, the Holy Spirit comes on them and they spill out and 3,000 people come to faith. (laughs) That's pretty good for a day's work, for a morning's work. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference. It's the same for us. And secondly, the Holy Spirit is, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, is not a once and for all event. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk on wine that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the original language, it, it means go on being filled. It's a present continuous verb. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Really, go, going on being filled with the Holy Spirit is the key to Christian life. The word Christians is rarely, rarely used in the New Testament. The word spirit people is used again and again and again. To be a Christian is to be a spirit person. Someone filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, There's a quote by um, Raniero Cantalamesa. I think I said that right. Um, He's a Catholic preacher. I'm going to read it. It says, We need to rekindle that relationship with Jesus as Lord living in the Spirit from whom all strength comes. The strength of the risen Jesus is as intact as it was the very day when he rose. The current of grace has in no respect grown weaker, but we need to put the plug of faith into this socket so that light-giving contact can be made. And to do this again and again and again, because it has a tendency to keep coming out Um, and so really effectively what he's saying is we need to stay plugged in we need to stay plugged in to the source Um, and as Johnny said that means keep on being filled um, with his spirit and we're actually going to do that so the majority of this evening we're just going to wait and we're going to ask for him to come and fill us with his spirit Um, but I wanted to spend just a few minutes um, just talking about some of the barriers um, that might stop us from opening up um, or our willingness to open up to receive um, his spirit so I'm going to suggest three things there might be many more but I'm going to suggest three things and the first thing um, is doubt We come with so many doubts, so many um, different understandings of God, so much past, and we have many doubts that prevent us um, from opening up. 
And I think perhaps one of the doubts that we have is his goodness. Why would we want to open up? Why would we want to receive um, from something that we're not sure is good? I think that is a doubt that we can carry. Maybe some of you are struggling with that today. And I guess my encouragement is to get real with God, to just get real with him. Don't pretend. Don't pretend that you don't feel it, but to get real. So instead of it preventing you from opening up, get real with him and say, Lord, I am, I'm struggling to think that you are good. I'm struggling to um, have faith, to trust that you are good. So instead of it closing you off, open it up. Just a little smidgen, open it up, open up the reality of what you're feeling. However, we also have the scriptures. You know, we have um, the scripture to meditate on. And and we need to meditate on Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. We read in the Gospels um, about Jesus. You know, he is good. He is kind, he is merciful, he is gracious, he is wise, all of these things that we need to meditate on. So if you are struggling to receive and to know the goodness of God, I I ask you to study the Gospels, study Jesus, because that is who you are asking into your life. You are asking Jesus into your life, so find out about him, because he is good. So get real with him and meditate on the goodness of him that we, that we read about in the scriptures. We read in um, Luke eleven nine. I'm just going to read it. It says, so, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to, one, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to good, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is a step of faith. It really is a step of faith to trust that he has your best interests at heart, that he knows you so much better than you know yourself, that he is a good father that wants to show his goodness to you, that wants to show you who you really are. That is who we're asking in tonight. Perhaps the doubt for you this evening is um, unworthiness or um, I don't I don't deserve to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've not fully decided if I'm in this or not. Um, and it says so clearly just now, doesn't it? It says, for everyone who asks, receive. This isn't for the, for the professional Christian, like Johnny was saying. It's not for the professional Christian. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. It is for all of us. And as I said, we receive by faith. And it's the good news that, it's, that we receive with faith as small as a mustard seed. So the second thing that can sometimes hold us back, I believe, is fear. I think, uh, if you're anything like me, I long to be in control. <laughs> I think we, have, um, we like to know exactly what our future holds. We like to know exactly what it is that we're saying yes to. We like our um, one-year plans our five-year plans, our 10-year plans. Um, And what if we open up to God and he wrecks it all? What if he like (gasps) comes and destroys our plans? You know, it it can take us out of control. It can make us feel panicky. So why would I do that? In Romans 8, it says, we can trust that he is working for good. And the thing that really got me is also in Romans 8, it says, 
Verse 6, a mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And I was thinking, a mind controlled by my five-year plans, I'm not sure it's life and peace. I think it's anxiety. I think it's worry. I think it's holding things tightly. I think it's trying to figure it all out myself. I think it's weight. I don't think it's life and peace. And that is what he is offering us. He's offering us a life of life and peace. I think the other thing that we can feel fearful about letting him in is um, the fear of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Um, Sometimes we see physical responses. Uh, We've seen here um, in our services people crying and shaking and um, moving physically uh, with the weight of the spirit. And that can really freak people out. You know, I've had many conversations with people who are worried about the manifestation. And just to speak to that, the point isn't the manifestation. We focus on God. However, there is nothing wrong with it. I was having this um, thought the other day that when I fell in love with Johnny, I am in love with Johnny, uh, but when I fell in love with him, (laughs) um, you know, I got flutters, you know, I got flutters in my stomach, I got adrenaline, you know, wanting to be with you all the time. When did that stop exactly, would you say? (laughs) Never, 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 never. Last week? (laughs) And you know, it'd be really weird, wouldn't it, if I was like, I'm not allowed to feel that. Oh, get them, you know, get the adrenaline, the quivers away. Not to feel it, not to feel it. You know, or, you know, it, it would be really weird to just not um, allow them to come, but to focus on Johnny. Um, so I think it's just a byproduct. It's a byproduct. I feel like the analogy I have is when the wind blows, the leaves move. When the wind blows, the leaves move. So it's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's a byproduct, but we focus on God. And and it's the fruit of what is happening. We wake up the next morning or whenever it is, and it's what he's done inside of us, inside of our hearts that matters. And then the final thing, and then we're going to pray. The final thing that holds us back is our sin. You know, sin is a barrier to God. It's a barrier to God. And we have been given this amazing gift of repentance. It is a gift, a gift, a gift, a gift that we have, that we get to repent, we get to clear the decks, and we get to have relationship with Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend a bit of time in a minute, and we're going to just repent. We're going to say sorry for the things that block us, that, barrier, that are a barrier um, to God before we ask him to come and fill us. But then you also, there also might be some struggles here of um, more habitual sin, sin that, um, real sin patterns that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to um, come into. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to penetrate the darkness tonight. Um, I think he um, wants us to bring things into the light. And again, it can close us off if we're stuck in a way of life and a way of um, a sinful pattern. We sometimes don't want to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit because we feel such shame and such... um, Yeah, we just feel like, why I can't open myself, I can't let God into that. But again, I just want to encourage you that he wants you to bring that stuff to him, to open it up, to bring it into the light, because he wants to bring healing and restoration. He wants to come into it. It It's the Holy Spirit that will bring freedom. We can't keep hiding. Bring it into the light. Bring it into the light. Is that clear? It's well said. (laughs) 
Um, just checking, I haven't said that. I wanted to say something else. Yeah, just that Romans 8 says the Spirit helps us in our weakness, but He helps us in our weakness. And so we're going to stand and we're going to ask for God to come and fill us.